The following production is part of the Play Some Video Games Podcast Network. Welcome to Board of the Video Games, the gaming podcast that strives to provide balance of coverage for games you play on your table and on your television. You can think of us as the 2021 and game delays of gaming podcasts. We're a proud member of the PSVG Podcast Network and still to be part of the Dice Tower Network as well. I am one of your hosts, Kyle, and joining me on this co-op adventure, the guy who never delays telling us something, Josh. Mm. How's it going this evening? It's going. It's going. That's not, it wasn't a horrible day. It, so it's going, it's going good. That's good. <laughs> it's going just fine. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm hanging in there. How about yourself? How are you doing? You know, not too bad. I've had to shovel twice in the last three days. So that's a Ooh. bummer. Yeah. So we've gotten a little bit of weather here, but not, not too bad. Just enough that we have a nice amount of snow, not an overwhelming amount of snow. Like I still have places to put it. Uh, it's you know both of them. I shoveled the vast majority of my driveway and then just snow blowed the snow blowed the end a little bit where uh, yeah. you know the plows had added some extra additional <laughs> heavy snow at the end there. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm someone who if I, anytime I can shovel, I just choose to over using my snowblower. I I am the same. I'm the same. Yeah. If I can comfortably shovel, yep. I just prefer to do it. I I can as I I am the exact same way. So. But yeah, other than that, you know, things are pretty great. Obviously, we're here a long weekend here. I don't know. Is it a long weekend for you all? It is for me, not for my wife, but it um, it is for me, which makes it a long weekend because it, it's me and my son. <laughs> <laughs> so really no free time, I guess. No, I mean, it's yeah, I mean, it is what it is. It's it's a day off from work. It's paid. So I'm not going to complain too much, but you right. know, sometimes the work is a nice break from the everyday life at home. No, I I agree there. Still on track for people returning on the 25th? Nope, it has been indefinitely delayed. Woo, that's exciting. <laughs> we are we are still on track for the 25th, so we'll see what happens. Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> Safe in schools. Spring them back. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. But I've uh I've uh, my my staff meeting Tuesday morning to find out cuz we have been given permission to um work basically in a rotation remotely for the semester so mm. i'll have to be on campus like two or three days a week um so not too bad I'll, it'll be weird though because i haven't been on campus since the end of november so i've been a little over it'll be about basically two months by the time we go back and just the things of like waking up in time to pack a lunch yeah <laughs> you know and now i'll actually have to drive to work so i gotta remember to like, wake up in enough time to do that like these are just things that i've had to worry about for a couple of months <laughs> it's gonna be tough for a lot of people yeah for sure you're having to get out of that ri- rhythm they had to learn now right. relearning the old rhythm <laughs> yeah the nice part about it well i won't have to set a reminder in my phone to drive my car once a week <laughs> Because I literally do that now. I have a reminder (laughs) on my phone to make sure I go drive my car for at least a half an hour once a week. (laughs) Because otherwise, I don't have to go anywhere. Um, Because I I, really the the grocery store. This is, I guess, a good and a bad thing. The grocery store 
uh, is about 90 seconds from my house. Yeah. I literally basically like can almost see the back of it from my house. So I just, (laughs) that's like, that's the only place I go. Yeah. That's it. I drive there and I drive home. That's like it. All I ever do. So once a week, I make a little jaunt to make sure my car gets used a little regularly. So (laughs) that happens. But other than that, man, oh, it's going to be weird to be back out in the real world again. So I hear you. But yeah. Uh, Oh, man, I had this thing I was going to talk to you about, and it, I am completely, <laughs> completely blanking on what it was. Oh, I remember. Here we go. Josh, is there a movie that you really enjoy that you recognize isn't good, but goodness gracious, do you just like watching it every time it's on? Yeah, a majority of the movies <laughs> I enjoy, people don't regard as genuinely good. Uh, I think Army of Darkness is probably my number one, though, like the movie I watched for years every night when i went to bed and and probably still know by heart but at least used to know by heart uh, i love that you're like go to bed movies army of darkness yeah i mean <laughs> at a certain point it's more three stooges than it is horror so that is true that is true <laughs> you know it gets to that spot it's not like i'm like watching evil dead 2 every night before i go to bed <laughs> Valid a little point. different yeah Do i you mean have any comedy I think you, movies I think... that you find hilarious that most people don't find funny Movies or parts in that movie? <laughs> well, no, just movie, comedy movies in general. That I find hilarious that other people don't? Yeah. Or aren't universally looked at as quote-unquote good Ooh, comedy movies? Jeez. Probably. Um, I'm sure there are. I mean, I really li- I liked uh, Hey Dude, Where's My Car? But I don't know if I... Or sorry, Dude, Where's My Car? Hey Dude? Hey Dude, Where's My Car? Um, the sequel to Dude, Where's My yeah. Car? Hey Dude, Where's My Car? <laughs> I used to like the, like those old old movies like Road Trip. Um, oh, what is that movie with? There is a movie that I think that most people probably think is stupid and um, Sex Drive. Have you seen that? I've not seen that. It's with Seth Green's in it, but he's not the star. Um, it's uh, a 2008 film. Oh shoot! It has a uh, Clark Duke, um, in it. It's on Netflix actually, so if oh, people really? want to watch it, they can watch it. Um, uh, I want to get the premise because I would pro- probably butcher it if I tried to describe it. Um, uh, high school senior drives cross country with his best friend to hook up with the babe he met online. So it's like everyone's like, uh, if you grew up when I grew up. Like when the internet and chat rooms were around, like right. this was uh, the thing. So it has Amanda Crew in it. She was in Silicon Valley. She played the um, the girl who worked at uh, what was the company that hired Richard? Uh, I think her name was Meredith. Was the owner of it? Yeah, I know what you're saying. She, I I'm blanking. Well, she plays I, the I... she plays that main lady's assistant at first. Um, Clark Duke, James Marsden, Seth Green, Katrina Bowden, uh, Michael Cublitz is in it, but, uh, it's a really funny, I'm really curious if I'll have to watch it tonight on Netflix and see if it holds up, <laughs> but I, I think it's one of those movies where, um, I thought it was hilarious and maybe like, it's like, it fits in like with the road trip movies and like, uh, the girl next door that those types of like, yeah. Like they're like borderline raunchy. It's not like raunchy like American Pie gets, but it's like right on that line. What about you? 
Well, and the reason I brought this up is I started watching one of those movies that I just laugh at every time it's on, even though I can recognize that as a movie, not a great film, uh, but Central Intelligence. Oh, <laughs> yes. With Kevin Hart and Dwayne yeah. Johnson. Those two just kill me. Their chemistry, I find to be so good. The, without them, I don't think you could put other actors in that role trying to do the same bit and have the movie be anywhere near as good. It's yeah. just those two, for some reason, just kill me and we were watching it and my partner's like why you watch this movie like every time it's on i'm like i don't know why i find this movie so funny i can admit it's probably not a good movie by most people's standards but goodness gracious does that movie kill me i don't know why (laughs) he was in get smart right the rock uh i think so because i i liked that one yeah he's in it um i didn't think it was a great film but i i really like steve carell and i remember like the rock playing trying to play like a the straight man kind of sort of i thought it was i thought he was good in that Anne hathaway kind of rubs me the wrong way sometimes but i think overall i like her as an actress but uh speaking of Anne hathaway you know what movie that i really also really enjoy that probably isn't super high on most people's lists it's not the one where she plays a giant monster is it no. Okay, I haven't seen that one. <laughs> uh, it is the 2015 movie with Robert De Niro, The Intern. Oh, I didn't see that one. I love that movie. I think it is so, so darn good. So, yeah, I'm not saying everyone else is going to like it, <laughs> but I dig that film quite a bit. So, anyway, probably enough of our random talk at the beginning of the podcast. Anything else you want to chat about before we get to the show? <laughs> I mean, we could talk for hours, but no, I think we probably should get going. Because <laughs> we do have a lot of fun things to talk about this week, so let's get to it. Thanks so much for joining us this week, everyone. As always, if you have any feedback, questions, or suggested topics, hit us up at Board with Fiji on Twitter, or check out all the awesome stuff over on the Instagram, also Board with Fiji. We're a proud part of playing some video games, and PSVG is on Patreon. We're absolutely thrilled with the support you have given us there thus far, and if you'd like to monetarily support what we do, you can find us there at patreon.com slash PSVG, but the most important thing is just that you listen and maybe share our show with someone who you think would enjoy it. We're also a member of the Dice Tower Podcast Network, so if you enjoy our conversations about board games and would like to dive deeper into that world, we encourage you to check out the Dice Tower Podcast as well as all the other members of the network. No matter what type of board games you enjoy, there's a podcast on the network that's right for you. Very briefly, all of the winners of Metafall 2020 have been notified and contacted and gotten their prizes. So thank you again to all of you who participated. And thank you to all of you who participated in the stream this weekend for Bobby, um, the Nintendo guru. Very successful stream over the weekend. So we really appreciate everyone um, opening their hearts and their wallets when they were able to, to really help support him as he's going through and going to be recovering through, um, you know, what was a very long uh, ordeal. So thank you again for your help with that and your participation in that. It was greatly, greatly appreciated. So with that, on to the show proper per se. Josh, what is your first topic this week? Hey, well, I wanted to check in and see what our total was, but their total raised is blanked out right now, so I'm not sure where <laughs> where we're standing. <laughs> I believe the last I saw was a little over fifteen thousand dollars. Yeah, no, we're at eighteen. We were at eighteen okay, there a we while go. ago. <laughs> so yeah, so I don't that we're doing well. We're doing well. Um, yeah. So my first topic, I was right, <laughs> but at what cost? And to be honest with you, I can't necessarily tell you I accused this game of doing it, but 
it's all about it's my point <laughs> no you only do it if it's a playstation game then you accuse them of lying yes. if it's a game that's supported by xbox then it's always totally. legit. i've never I've never <laughs> been critical of xbox ever. Uh, <laughs> um so uh over the past few days well, not over the past few days a few days ago when we were recording um cd project red studios had adam badowski I'm probably saying his last name wrong. I'm sure I am. Um, put out a video saying, uh, well, it's it's kind of like, uh, what do I want to say? An apology-ish video um, attempting to, you know, uh, attempting to apologize for what happened with, with uh, Cyberpunk 2077. So... Um, this isn't what I want to talk about. What I want to talk about is the Bloomberg article or report um, that uh, I guess I would say coincides with this. It's not necessarily a follow-up. Um, but something that happened uh, was, so this video came out. They said, you know, we didn't have, like, everything seemed to be going well. <laughs> and um, we didn't have, like, any serious technical issues on game consoles and all of a sudden, he basically says, like, all of a sudden, we just started to find all these issues, and then more issues, and then more issues. And he says, like, the current gen consoles weren't performing as well as they wanted, but, I mean, realistically, having you know playing this game and reading the reports of playing this game, that clearly can't be the case. Uh, it can't be. <laughs> he does take blame, right? He says that it's don't please don't blame the developers, which I mean, I don't necessarily blame the game designers, but you're the developer. He didn't say don't blame the developers, don't blame the game designers. But he's like, I'm on the board, blame me, blame the people who make the decision to put the game out. But, and I'm trying to find, I want to get to the Bloomberg stuff. Um, so there, according to Bloomberg, uh, CD Projekt, uh, their developer said many common problems were discovered, but the staff didn't have time to fix them before launch. Um, and that the engineers that um, were making Cyberpunk said it was too complex to run on a well, uh, a well on aging last-gen consoles. So the rumor from Bloomberg's article is that they were telling these the the studio head or heads, hey. This isn't functional on current gen consoles as we are now. And they have been like forthcoming about designing it for PC mostly, right? Like this is their platform. Um, but they, they, I don't know. My assumption, and this is purely speculation, is they, they couldn't not put the game out on consoles because of money. They needed the money. We need to make a profit on Xbox and PlayStation. Can we put a pin in this really quick? Yes. I know where you want to get to, but yeah, I want yeah. to ask you something specifically oh, yeah. about this. Because we've had conversations on this very podcast about cross-generational games and whether or not that designing for a cross-generational game holds back games. Hearing this conversation, all of the stuff around this, yeah. do you now believe that when trying to take into consideration last con like last gen and current gen or however you want to look at it new gen old gen whatever do you think this has this influenced your thought process at all on whether or not trying to design for old gen holds back games do you know what i think is interesting about that is um 
I never even considered that for a studio like CD Projekt Red. Maybe for EA, right? I wouldn't have batted an eye. Of course, they're going to put out a game on last gen because they need them because <laughs> their money. <laughs> right. They got to get money, them FIFA hungry, Ultimate Team monies. Horrible people who are corporate. Like, but like, I, I know that that's something that EA is stuck with, right? Like, they're kind of tied to like money grabbing. And I, I know that's not true per se. I'm sure it's true on some level. <laughs> uh, but they're not going to put out a game that doesn't play on every generation. That's just not what they're going to do. A game, a studio like CD Projekt Red, I just assumed. Um, I compare them, I guess, to like early Bioware, right? Like they're just in my head, they're just trying to put out the best game they can. So I, I, in like, I honestly, until this whole st- nonsense happened, I just assumed they were giving their staff more time to fix the game. So it ran on current gen, not to buy more time as se- as it seems. Uh, well, cause those <laughs> were the rumors we heard too, right? That yeah. the game was not running. And they said it out. Yeah, they said it openly. Like, hey, it's not running to how we would like it. But that's still a misleading statement because it wasn't (laughs) running, period, apparently. Right. (laughs) Like, um, yeah, I mean, if you can't put out a game that um, doesn't run well cross-gen, like the medium we're waiting on, right? We're waiting on the medium. and, and, And if you want to take this as it is and apply it to other things, maybe it's delayed twice because it's not running well. On Xbox. But the the medium is only next-gen, isn't it? Oh, I thought it was cross. No, I think oh. the medium is only next-gen. Well, then, then, is- then that doesn't apply to my <laughs> argument. <laughs> um, if that's the case, yeah, if the, if it doesn't, that's that's good, I think. Um, I don't... If you're trying to pump out new hardware, new tech, something like he described in the video, he's like, this isn't something where we're loading portions of the city. You have to load the whole city. And, every, and it's not just blocks everything is functional like i get it it's impressive good for you but make the game work because you can tell everyone who has an xbox one how great your cyberpunk world is it doesn't mean squat to them because they can't get down the street without getting hit by a car and getting launched into space (laughs) so uh so yeah uh if you can't put if you can't do a game that's crash gen just focus on whatever gen if it has to be current gen and you miss out on next gen, make a sequel. I don't know, but you you this is gonna crush them financially. And there's a lot of people well, so like not right they already made their money back, right? But what they could have made, they're gonna take a big loss. And they lost the um a lot of support from people for like he's talking about their next projects he's like but we're not ready to talk about those yet yeah you'd be foolish to come out and put out an apology video and be like and in six months our new game (laughs) like (laughs) but their next game it's not going to be people may still buy it it might be great but they're not going to be instant pre-orders it's not going to be instant confidence in this company um which is something that bioware went through right that's very similar so it's a bummer but that's where we are, right? Like, uh, they have to deal with it. We have to deal with it. I was talking to my cousin. He still hasn't bought Cyberpunk because he said, you told me not to get it because I just have an Xbox One. And I was like, okay, good. I'm glad you didn't get it. <laughs> <laughs> Wait until it's fixed, which it, it might not ever be fixed on current gen, which is a thing that I don't think people are really thinking about right now. They're just thinking, they keep telling me they're going to fix it. Well, you know what? They might not. They might not or they might by twenty. 
by 2022, like the right. staff thought was going to be what the game came out. Yeah, or it's going to run at like 980p on your on your Xbox, um, and it's going to truncate uh, files for loading. So you do have to load each part of the city. <laughs> yeah. Okay, like, cut this game up. Uh, so the report also revealed that while Cyberpunk 2077 was announced in 2012, full development didn't even begin on the game until 2016 when Adam Badowski took over as director and overhauled the game, in fact, changing it from third person to first person. Um, and this was, <laughs> this was my uh, shake my head and cheer to the sky because I was right about something. <laughs> Um, Bloomberg reports Cyberpunk 2077's eye-catching E3 2018 demo was, quote, was almost entirely fake, <laughs> unquote. Um, CD Projekt hadn't finalized the code and underlying gameplay systems, which is why so many features, such as car ambushes, were missing from the final product, which I hadn't even realized. Um, developers said they felt like the demo was a waste of months that should have gone toward making the game, which means they... Not only did they willingly deceive people, they actually like changed. Uh, they took some people's jobs and moved them to fabricating a CGI trailer that made it look like in-game. That you know that I don't want to be right about that, <laughs> uh, and I'm not. You know, I'm not saying that just PlayStation does it. I mean, I can. I just will never forget the Killzone Three thing. Uh, but I know the Xbox has done it too, to a degree, but I think this is like the next level, right? Or at least the level I was assuming things were at that that probably wasn't where I was was assuming they were. But I think uh, that's really bad. <laughs> so what I want to ask you, I don't want to harp on that because, I mean, that is, that is a different thing. And, and we've definitely seen games in the past do CG trailers that that were made to look like in-game. And now we live in a world where they put text in the bottom that will say like in an in-game engine or not actual game footage. So they're getting better at that to at least a little bit. Clearly CD project didn't do that in theirs, but um, I think it's getting better in general where uh, just in general, where do you stand on uh, this whole thing? The, the Bloomberg piece and the update from CD project, like, is it leaving a sour taste in your mouth? Are you upset with them? Do you did you lose any trust in them as a company? Well, to clarify first, I think it was Killzone Two. Was it Killzone Two? Yeah, you're I right. Think it, it was Killzone, Killzone 2, Two that had yeah the trailer that uh, was was too good to yeah. be true. <laughs> yeah, uh, aspirational. Uh, <laughs> we'll say that, and that kind of has always been. We've had this conversation a little bit before. My perspective on trailers at shows typically has been aspirational right that's what i yes. think of them as is this is what they are aspiring to create with this world they're trying to get you to get in kind of their mindset of the theme the setting the the feel that, that they are trying to ensure that this game gives you uh so i don't take them to be this is exactly what the game is going to look like this is exactly what the game is going to play like personally now with that being said if you take it that way, I don't think that's incorrect unless there's a whole bunch of things on the screen that say not in you know pre-alpha gameplay, things could change, yada, yada, yada. And I think that's why you see more and more studios doing that, being very clear about this is an engine, this is not an engine, this is gameplay, this is not gameplay. 
uh, because they don't want to be accused of being deceptive. So, yeah, I, I go both ways on it. I think it's kind of crummy that they showed this thing and almost immediately like i remember back to that e3 demo of people being like no way there's no way that this is going to be <laughs> on current gen consoles like there were a lot of people who were super skeptical right away that that game could run and look like that uh which you know obviously they were clearly right uh but like i said i for me personally I really do see them as this aspirational thing of them really trying to set the tone for what they're doing because it is a marketing piece, right? In the end, it is a marketing piece. Now, they shouldn't be dishonest on purpose. They shouldn't lie to you on purpose. Uh, but it is that challenge of, hey, this is what we want to do. But then half, you know, three months later in development, we found out that this thing we were going to do, we'll pick car ambushes. I haven't played the game, so I don't know. Maybe they realized, oh, shoot, these are just not going to work on the large scale that we thought, yeah. so we're going to cut them. Well, does that mean that they now lied in that trailer that they made three months ago when they were in the game? You know what I'm saying? Like, how do you balance that? Yeah, I mean, I know what you're saying, but I, and I don't know if this uh, cements my stance or not, but it makes me immediately think of when they were rebooting the Predator movie. It was called Predators. It had Adrian Brody in it. And when they when they put out the trailer, um, the trailer featured about four minutes of scenes that were not even in the movie. And one of them featured a scene of like a bunch of Predator targets showing up on Adrian Brody and that never even... Not only did you not see very many Predators in that movie, but you never saw that scene. And while that didn't necessarily bother me because the movie wasn't good... Um, it, it was a complaint of like false advertisement because I think unless like to your point, like maybe like they should come out and say like, Hey, we featured this in our game trailer and it's not in the current game before you purchase it. We want you to know, Hey, we had to remove this because of this. And then I think you're covered, right? But if, and I can't say like someone's at home going, I can't wait to do the car ambushes and in, in Cyberpunk. Like that's the only reason why I'm buying the game. But I also can't say that there isn't a group of people that said that and felt that. Um, and then if they bought that game and um, like they were genuinely disappointed in that, I think that is definitely misleading to a degree. Um, but I also think like they, they're clearly not thinking about that. They're clearly not thinking about the telling people what's not there angle because they could just – I just think for me like the sheer uh, – ignorance is not the word, but I could, maybe. The, the, to the level to which they ignored the current gen consumers in, and maybe out of fear of saying that it wasn't going to like working, but that's that's – I don't know, scary is, uh, seems it's a little like too serious for a video game, but it's it's not a great look when you're you're actively actively lying about something because you think it will get better, but you probably know it's not gonna get better before release. Some people there knew that that game was gonna come out and it was gonna have the reception it did, and no delay was gonna fix that. And I think that's what we're seeing with these updates. So now they've pushed off they pushed off the next gen updates to the end of 2021 which to me probably means 2022 <laughs> <laughs> you know and then are people going to want to revisit Cyberpunk 
next gen in 2022. We're going to have next gen consoles out for almost a year at that point. So all these new games are going to, like, I'm sure Cyberpunk will still look great, but will people have moved on? Or are people still going to be waiting to play this game? Yeah, and I think it is important to note that uh, Adam Badowski did come out and take umbrage with Jason Schreier's reporting yes. that the that the trailer was quote unquote fake, and he said, you know, it wasn't fake. You know, it was a work in progress, and we were very clear about that. Um, but I now will say I was planning to wait to play this game until the next gen update, just because of all the challenges that this game is going through. At this point. I don't know if my hype could be any lower. Like I have <laughs> basically zero desire to play this game. Yeah. Uh, so maybe I'll be playing it in the fall of 2021 if if that next gen patch comes out. But if even a small percentage of the games that are slated for 2021 and we'll say small <laughs> still release this year, yeah. Uh, there's many more games that I would rather play ahead of ahead of Cyberpunk at this point. And part of it is because. I really don't want to give them my money right now. Yeah, no, I 100% hear you. If you get a new Xbox, though, I already gave them my money, so That's you true. can play it and, on Xbox Series X. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, if, like I said, if I get a Series X at some point, then I might jump in jump in since you've already purchased it. But, um, yeah, I you know, I'm not going to play it on my Xbox One, and I'm definitely not going to, if I decide I want to play it on PS5, if I don't have an upgraded Xbox by that point, um, you know, it's going to be... Maybe if I get it free or if it comes to Game Pass or something like that, then I might try it. We'll see. It's a bummer. It's a really good game. And it's it's really sad that this is just the cloud hanging over it. Because I can't wait. And now I'm like I was like, I can't wait to go back and play another story arc. Um or story tree or however they call it. Uh, character path, sorry. Um but now I'm like, well should I just go back and play another one now? Because I'm not I don't want to wait until the end of this year to play again. So I don't even know I don't even know what I'm gonna do. <laughs> but I agree, like it's it's a bad luck and I, I wouldn't wanna necessarily support them in this state. And I can definitely appreciate where you're coming from. Um and if I hadn't already bought it, I definitely wouldn't be buying it now. Yeah yeah it it, it mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's just such an interesting i don't know if it, has a company gone from such good goodwill to such bad goodwill so fast no i don't think so this is a first for a lot of things for, from them um they really took these things that had already been established uh, issues at ubisoft issues at bioware issues with ea they took each one of those things and they just Turned it up to eleven. No one's no one's touched them. I don't think. Right, but hey, you know what? They've uh, still sold thirteen million copies, so I think they're going to be okay. Yep, whoever's making the money does not care about us. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Anything else you want to say about uh, E3 demos, Cyberpunk, any of that stuff? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I hope people use this as a an example. And learn from it. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to see this happen again in video games. You know, with the number of delays that we have already seen this <laughs> year, I think people are, are learning a lesson for sure. Yes. So. He still blames COVID, gonna... by the way. And I get it, but they have been working on the game for how long? <laughs> well, and I think, you know, that's still something that's completely viable. And it, it probably maybe they couldn't polish as much as they thought within the time that they had. Or Polish. But I genuinely think. What's that? <laughs> or Polish. 
<laughs> or Polish. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The one thing I will say very briefly is that that apology video is one of like those really bad apologies where you're like, it's one, t- it's entirely our fault. But here are all the things that have like all of the reasons to like negate <laughs> it being our fault. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like it's just like like if you just stop talking, be like, hey, we messed up. It's a hundred percent our fault. You're like, okay, you took ownership. And then they're like, it's entirely our fault because all of these things happen. Right. Wait, what? Like, is it actually <laughs> your fault then? I take all the blame, but this is this is what happened, and no one could have expected it. <laughs> right. So yeah. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So for me, my first topic, I'm just gonna talk uh, briefly about a couple of the games I've been playing. I have a, quite a few listed here. I probably won't go through all of them. I'll two for sure. We'll see kind of how far I go. Uh, but I had mentioned earlier that finally uh, I had played this little board game called Azul, um, designed by Michael Kiesling. This game came back out in 2017. Pretty much a staple of most game collections at this point. Uh, mm-hmm. It's ranked 48 overall on Board Game Geek. So, you know, sitting very comfortably there in the middle of the top 100. Uh, this game... You know, I would tell you the publisher, but there's like 22 publishers listed. So who knows? It's Plan what, B it's games. Plan B, Next Move, a whole bunch of different companies. Mm. Um, you know, depending on where in the world you live uh, are going to be who can you can get Azul from. But uh, Azul, a, a game that I know Josh has definitely talked about before. Realistically, it is a drafting game that you are drafting tiles in order to fill up uh, the tiles on your board. Um, and, you know, there obviously is a little more complication to it as there's only certain colors that you can put in rows and all these other things that happen. But the one thing I will say is that when I read the rules for this game and I went through everything you're supposed to do, I was like, that's it? Like, that's all you got to do? Like, yeah. that's, that's, this is the whole <laughs> game? Like, this is it? Uh, and then I started playing the game and I was like, oh, this is actually way harder than I thought it was. <laughs> Not that the game is complex, because what you need to do is very, very simple. But you definitely get to situations where you're like, well, shoot, because I really need this and I really need that. But that can't go there because that row's already full of that color. Ugh, darn it. What am I going to do? How am I not going to get many negative points? All of that good stuff. And I felt pretty good about this because the first game that was played, I did pretty well. I was like, all right, partner, I got this. This is great. <laughs> Well, she's smarter than I am. So by the second game, she absolutely <laughs> destroyed me. Like, not even close. Made me want to go cur- curl up in a corner and cry. I got my butt beat so bad. <laughs> uh, it was pretty pretty rough. Um, so if you are interested in getting into hobby board games at all, I, th- I do think Azul is going to kind of weasel its way into it. I don't mean weasel in a bad way. But, like, make its way into one of those gateway games that it's going to be a game that people are going to start recommending along with Catan, along with pandemic like these games you typically hear um because super super simple to teach um very easy to learn but the game has enough complex decisions that every time you play it it's going to be different and i think it plays differently my perception would be that it plays very differently from two players to four players Mm -hmm. um have you played it how many players have you played it with josh uh, four. Uh, okay. Between two and four. Okay. So you have played it with two? Yes. Yeah, mostly with and, two. Okay. And I think that's the thing about two that's really exciting is you can look very clearly at the other person's board and try to make decisions about what you're going to take, what tiles you're going to push into the middle, how you're going to draft things in order to try to game the system both in your favor, but also 
in some ways, having player interaction with that other player about what your options you're giving available to them. I have to imagine with three and four players, that gets harder and harder to do because you don't know what the two people after you are going to do before it gets to the person again yeah. sitting next yeah. to you. <laughs> um, so I, I don't know what you would say, Josh. I feel like two players is a great way to play this. But if people don't like being quote unquote mean to one another, that maybe playing with three or four <laughs> might be a better option. Yes. Uh, yeah, I love this game. Now you have to play Summer Pavilion because it, 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 it changes a lot of the game, but keeps the core mechanics there. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, know. I do want to get the I'm just going to throw games at you. <laughs> no, that's okay. I do want to get the expansion. Uh, but yeah, like Azul is a super easy recommend. Um, and like I said, it's basically you're just drafting tiles and using those to um, make a nice little wall. Uh, uh, and then you get points and then you win the game or lose the game for me. Uh, but I really enjoy Azul. Definitely encourage you to check it out. It's available. This is one of those games that you can even typically get um, at big box stores. Um, yeah, Target has it. Yeah. So definitely check that out. Josh, any other final thoughts on Azul? I love it. I'm glad you played it. I think everyone should play it. It's it's I agree. It's definitely the new like one of the new staple board games like this should be in your collection or you should play this if you're considering getting into the hobby. Yeah, I, I definitely feel like that and Sagrada, which came out right around the same time, are kind of those two that have really Dude, gotten themselves. Sagrada Legacy that. is coming out and I couldn't be more excited because now I can play a legacy game with my wife. And I will have no objections to. She will 100% (laughs) play that. I'm thrilled that they're about to announce that officially. Also, speaking of Plan B, Monday, tomorrow for us, they're announcing their next game. So yesterday for listeners, so you can go find Plan B's new game on the internet. It has a bear on the cover. I know that. I like bears. Maybe it might not be the cover. But on the tease, it was uh, like a... A bear with like a, a symbol in his chest. Very cool. Uh, next game that I played is a little game designed by a friend of the show, Peter McPherson, and that is Tiny Towns, uh, published by AEG. Tiny Towns is, you know, I don't even almost know how to describe how uh, simple this game is and like what you do with it, right? Because it's basically yeah. kind of like playing Tetris. Yes. You know, because you're you're kind of like playing Tetris, and basically, on your turn, you just name a resource. Everyone gets to take that resource, and then they have to put it on their little 4 by 4 grid for their city. And depending on how you arrange the resources on your grid, uh, those then resources, maybe once they've th- anywhere from two to six-ish resources put in the right Tetramino shape, will then transform into a building that has to be placed in one of the spots those resources were taking up. And then obviously scoring is based off of, oh, if you have X number of things connected to these things or X number of this type of building in the corner, or it varies based off of um, the buildings that are available to you to purchase and and build out with your resources. Uh, this is a game, Josh, that obviously has was very, very popular the year it came out and, and has been since then. There's been a couple expansions to it. Um, the game says it plays from one to six players, uh, but really you could play it with <laughs> basically infinite players. Like there's really no reason you couldn't play it with as many people as you wanted to, other than it might get a little uh, overwhelming. <laughs> at the at the last packs, we played we played Tiny Towns with Pete and two hundred and fifty people. 
And I got to imagine that would be a little overwhelming. Actually, it wasn't bad at all. Okay. They had giant okay. signs with the resources on them, and they they were picking the resources for everybody. Okay. And that's kind of what I assumed they would do with something like that. So yeah. But yeah, the game came out in 2019, so it's still a pretty new game. Uh, Josh, this game has quickly, quickly climbed my ranks of favorite games for me, period. I love this game. Wow. Nice. I think it is so, so good. If there's anything I like in a game, it is a game that is easy to teach, easy to learn, but gives you a ton of choices. And this game gives you choices in bucketfuls. Oh, yeah. Like the complexity overall, not super high. If you look at Board Game Geek, I think it has it at a 2.09, so not very complex. But this is that style of game where every time you play it, it's going to be different. There's probably, depending on the combinations of things you get, might be strategies that are going to be quote-unquote better. But I think just about any strategy you attempt is going to be viable in some way, shape, or form. And since this, the cards that are available to you to build are different each game, since you're randomly choosing them, the combinations and the synergies before between those cards are always changing. So really how you're thinking of arranging and building things is is going to be different. And then each of you, each player gets kind of their individual little monument that they have that's different from everyone else that they're trying to build potentially um, that's going to have you play the game in a different way as well. And just something really simple about, especially with two players, and I think this might play a little bit better with more than two players because... Similar to Azul, where you can do things and pick resources to kind of be like, oh, this isn't going to help you very well. You could do this in Tiny Towns with two people pretty easily. Like, you can look at the other player's board, look at what's out there, kind of guess what they're trying to build. And then if you are doing something different than that, really try to pick a resource that's going to be a big challenge for them to place. Um so I, I know some people might not like that, but for me, ugh, just the decisions you get to make in this game, trying out the different paths to scoring and figuring out what buildings are going to be best for you, um, and, and just really knowing that, like, hey, this time I'm going to try XYZ strategy to see if I can be successful. Um, I think it's just awesome. And there's a little bit of engine building in it, too, because a lot of the buildings are going to score based off of this in conjunction with, you know, something else. So it's like, oh, the number of buildings you have fed, you know, you're going to get additional points. So there's always this really small, like, little engine building aspect to it, too, which I really enjoy. So Tiny Towns for Peter McPherson and AEG. I love the game. It's a super easy recommend for me. Um, this is going to be a game that I don't know if you're going to be able to find it like at Target, but you're definitely going to be able to find it at like Barnes and Noble and places like that. So it is going to be available quite a bit more places maybe than some other designer games. Um, it's ranked 318 overall. I say that's low. I think it should be definitely be higher than that, but that's still a great ranking as well. Um, so that's Tiny Towns. I know you have played this game. You enjoy this game. What are your thoughts on it overall? Well, there there are three expansions for yeah, it. Yeah, there and are. And they all came out in 2020. <laughs> yep. A year after the game came out. Not even a year after. I think it was even sooner than that. Uh, yeah, I love this game. Um, it's a crime that I don't own it. So maybe I'll remedy that tomorrow <clears throat> in addition to... Um, yeah, it's so good. Uh, it is a great game for teaching. It is, there are 100% elements of, uh, unforgivability. If you make a mistake, you own that. So I think it's also one of those games while, while it's easy to learn, uh, it, it takes, you, you, you gotta get a game in and realize like and for me, I think it was a couple of games that I didn't, you know, I didn't really figure out. I built a lot of wells in my town. <laughs> um, yeah, if you if you don't um, 
if you're not good at geometry, it could be a challenging game for you. Um, you need to, and you need to plan, uh, ironically building a town, you need to plan. So you want to make sure that, you know, you're putting the pieces in the right spot and you, you, you kind of hoping the more people you play with, uh, more, um, open you are to not getting, uh, the, 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 uh, resources you need because each person takes a turn being the quote unquote mayor and chooses what the resource will be for that round. So if you're like waiting for glass and people know that you might never get that until it's your turn. And if you're yeah. playing with eight people, <laughs> that's a long Ooh, wait. That is a long wait. So, uh, but yeah, it's super fun. Um, and uh, yeah, I love it. And I'm glad that it's doing so well. It is doing it. So I highly encourage it. And let's see. Okay. I'll talk about, I'll talk about the last board game next week, probably, or in two weeks. I'm going to switch really quick and talk about one video game then. Um, and that is The Pathless, which is a game from Giant Squid uh, and published by Annapurna Interactive. Giant Squid, the same folks who did Abzu uh, back in 2016, mm. made up of some folks who had originally um, worked on Journey and games like that. Uh, the Pathless is a game that came out on PS4, PS5. It's on the Epic Game Store, and I think uh, iOS, I think, is kind of where it is in general. Uh, but in this, it is an action-adventure game, uh, kind of a third-person action-adventure where you play um, a warrior who has come to this island to kind of take care of uh, the these beasts and things that are there. Um, or I think you're called a hunter, technically. Um, and the way you navigate the island is you can move as is, but you shoot your arrows to these fancy little diamonds that are on the island. And when you hit them, it gives you basically increased speed uh, and increased um, ability to kind of navigate across the plane. Uh, you then are trying to basically solve some simple uh, environmental puzzles that unlock um, talismans that you can use then to kind of cleanse these towers and once you cleanse three towers in area then you have this boss fight you have to do um four different areas you go to to kind of do that before going to the end uh this was a game i was really excited about when i had seen like the longer gameplay demo of it because i was it looked different it looked unique uh not like something i had done before and it does fill that pretty well it does have some of the things i don't like in games is very directionless like, you can hold down a triangle on PS5 um, to kind of see, like, where the towers are that you have to go to to cleanse. But, like, it doesn't indicate any way, shape, or form where those talismans are you have to go get. So, you have to kind of explore. There's no map. So, you kind of have to go to explore to try to find these places. And sometimes you get talismans. Sometimes you get other things. Um, you do have a bird friend who can help, like, lift you up to higher places. But... Overall, you know, it's a probably about a six-hour game, I think, is what it took me to, to beat it. it. So it was pretty quick. But I enjoyed my time with it. I don't know that I'm going to go back and try to get the Platinum. I might. The game's still installed on my system. But as a, you know, different, unique game uh, that is very beautiful, the music is incredible in this game, uh, composed by Austin Winnery, who obviously kind of one of the top of their game, video game composers. Um, so exceptional soundtrack. But just a really neat, different, unique style game that we don't see all that often. And, and it's something that I'm very happy to support. Um, I liked Abzu. I think this game I like more than Abzu. Um, and, and something I think is an easy recommend if you do have a system that can play it. And are looking for something a little bit different. And you enjoy kind of just, you know, that general exploration and, and a little bit of like problem solving or puzzle solving. Uh, so if you like, you know, I don't want to say Breath of the Wild, but... <laughs> 
Breath of the Wild style <laughs> games with, you know, this game has way less combat than that. Uh, but um, I, I think it was a good time. The boss fights were interesting for the most part. Um, not too unforgiving. And the one nice thing about it, too, is that since it is an iOS game as well, when you're shooting all of these targets to kind of move faster across the world, you don't have to be super accurate because, you know, it's for iOS, too. So uh, when you're playing it on a console, you don't have to be really, really accurate. But I really enjoy it. I think this game has really gotten under people's radars. Uh, there are people who have played it who this is in their top 10 games of the year. Wow. Um, had I... This would have easily made my honorable mentions. It might have fought for the end of my list had I played this in 2020 because I didn't play it till this year. But um, I really enjoyed it. And I would encourage you to check it out if you have the opportunity. That is The Pathless. So nice. those were, are some of the games I have been playing. With that, Josh, what is your second topic? So it would seem the Star Wars license is no longer exclusive to EA, despite, I guess, paperwork. Uh, and now we have our first studio announcement. Um, and Lucasfilms, uh, or Lucas, I think they're going back to LucasArts. No, they're calling it Lucasfilm Games have announced an open world Star Wars game from Ubisoft's The Division Studio, which I think for everyone in the world, this is very exciting <laughs> too. Uh, it, it, on paper, if we had a Star Wars Division game, I think that's awesome. Now, I don't know that we're going to get that. Clearly, you can't, like, if you look at Ghost of Tsushima, like, there's no way you could have predicted Sucker Punch's next game would have been that. So this could be totally different in style from The Division, but I feel like... Do you really think it's going to be different? No, like, I mean... you think it's going to be different? You, think, you would think that there's a reason why these are being matched together. Um, I don't know that you have the luxury of going somewhere different with a Star Wars title. Like they're like, okay, what's your pitch? You stick exactly to your pitch when you make this game. <laughs> like you don't get to deviate. This is the Star Wars license. Um, but that being said, it's been a just been ten years since EA got the rights to Lucasfilm or Star Wars, more specifically. Um, and I mean, I think we can probably count on one hand how many games came out in those 10 years in the Star Wars license, which, you know, has been something that, uh, I think everyone has been openly critical about for, for the right reasons. Uh, we essentially got two Battlefield games with the Star Wars skin on them, and then we got one fully fleshed out Star Wars game. And then we got one game that took one particular part of the Battlefield um, paste and made it its own game. So um, I, while people love Squadrons, I get it. I guess they're counting Galaxy of Heroes, which is the mobile app, as one of their games, which I, I don't consider that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I can't attest to the VR for Squadrons yet because I'm still waiting on my PS5 adapter for my VR Oh, really? Yeah. They said they sent it, but it just hasn't shown up. You have to actually... I got mine. Yeah. (laughs) Months ago. Good for you. (laughs) Well, it's funny, though, because mine came to a different person, but my address. Oh, so they're on top of the game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I at least finally got an email like two weeks ago that they were sending it, so I'm happy about that. So, yeah, I'm waiting to get into like VR Squadrons and, and Vader Immortal. 
Uh, I got that email a couple of weeks ago saying mine was coming too. So we'll see what happens, even though I've had one for months. Ah, so this point. Yeah. Well, someone else is going to be getting the one they've been waiting for. Uh, so that being said, so so I, I guess technically the license wasn't supposed to expire until 2023. So I don't know if this implies that they're able to make games as long as they don't come out until after 2023. But also, I can't imagine them announcing Ubisoft working on a Star Wars game and then we have to wait till 2023. Does that seem like too long for you? Well, what do you think comes out first, this or their Avatar game? Are they working this, on an Avatar same, game? Yeah, it's the same studio as making the Avatar game. Oh, well, then the Avatar game has... You know what? I, actually, I know this is going to go off topic, but I have a sneaky suspicion that Avatar is just going to get stealth dropped on us. Two, three, and four. Yeah, because he's filmed all three of them together. So I and it's James Cameron. So I trust him to a degree. I really feel like this year he's going to be like Avatar two twenty one, Avatar three twenty two, four, and they're all done. Because I can see them coming out like a year apart. Yeah, because yes, yeah. I mean they filmed them all, but you have to do post production and all of right. them. So and then we're gonna get we're gonna get the video game. We're gonna get the board game. We're gonna get the comic books that bridge the gaps. We're going to get the re-release of the IMAX version of Avatar. We're going to get... Um, he's going to go crazy because it's a cash cow for them. So I, I can see that happening. So yeah, so maybe this is 2023. I mean, we've waited longer for a Star Wars game. I just hate that they announced it so early then. Do you think they announced it so early because they're worried about leaks? Maybe. Or maybe that they know people are like, like asking for... Star Wars games and they're just not getting them from EA and like Lucasfilm's finally like like hey we gotta say something because people are losing interest in our games yeah well and seeing them come together because they made that announcement not long before this that Lucasfilm games was going to be a thing again right yeah. like that was announced you know just a few days before and then they talked, dropped this and they dropped the Indiana Jones game so they I think there was this part of it I think was a tone setting of hey this is what we're going to be doing so to help, you know, attract other studios, potentially other folks who want to work on their projects for them to get kind of an idea of, hey, this is what we're looking at doing. And I remember when this was announced about Lucasfilm Games coming back, I had asked the question of, well, do we think they're basically just doing what Marvel's going to do, where they're going to work with select partners, yeah. whoever they seem feels like the best fit. And it very much seems like that is how they are going. So we're just smart. It smart. is smart. Speaking of Indiana Jones, uh, I didn't. It's not in our news, but um, we should mention uh, Machine Games with Bethesda, or or vice versa, uh, is working on a, a a original Indiana Jones storied video game. So that is also exciting news for people who like the controls of Wolfenstein. So <laughs> I am not excited. <laughs> yeah. I just I just imagine Indiana Jones walking around a. Some cave muttering to himself about how sad he is about things and how he can't believe what's going on. Uh, uh, well, and I say that as someone who loves <laughs> the Wolf of Science. I'm so. sure that's going to come out concurrently with the new Indiana Jones movie. So maybe yeah, we'll just we get to play him old and see him old. <laughs> yeah. I just really want him to retell the story of Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, which, you know, the best movie of all of them by far. You know what? <laughs> I actually agree with you on one point. They should remake King Crystal Skull. <laughs> they, should change, they should change that, yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, and I sorry, I kind of hijacked your topic. No, that's okay. Uh, for this game, what do you anticipate they're going to do? Do you think, obviously, with uh, The Division, 
You know, Division One was set in New York, Division Two in DC, though. Spoilers, you go back to New York if you want to for a little bit. Um, do you think this is going to be set on one planet or in one place on one planet? Are you going to get to go to multiple planets? Like, what is your thought process on what you want to see Massive make for their Star Wars game? I think it's going to be a Mandalorian game, actually. Yeah. Um, I think it plays into uh, their gameplay shooting, mm-hmm. uh, which is what you want with Bounty Hunters. Yeah. Uh, you know, you just kind of have to integrate the jetpack stuff in there. I think Jedi's will be few and far between, maybe bosses. Um, and that depends on if they're going to make you play as the Empire, the New Republic, or or neither. So uh, I think for their first game, I think it would be pretty ambitious to make you travel to different planets. So I would imagine you probably, if, it, if we're going to Division, right, you're just going to be in a central location. And it will have to be somewhere where the Galactic, like the Republic is fighting um the republic's fighting the empire somewhere that's like a constant battlefield i think i know that they probably should avoid the word battlefield however (laughs) (laughs) um but i mean i mean i can see them totally going uh like somewhere else but i think the star wars 1313 project is something that should really take um uh, some some inspiration from because you can't go anywhere on the internet that's talking about Star Wars video games where people don't talk about how they wish that game came out. And that was, you know, a new original bounty hunter Star Wars game. And they have the opportunity to do that. Uh, I, I just, any, like I see the division and I think you, you try to make it Jedi's it's just, um, um, Star Wars Jedi Knight. And we've had those games and I would be okay with the new Jedi Knight. I really would. But having to see people play Jedi Knight on Switch just really broke my heart because that game is so old and they didn't do much to make it better. You know, I don't know. I, it just made me sad. I, I want a new KOTOR and we're not going to get that from, from uh, <laughs> Massive, but um, we can hope that we're going to get one from somebody in the future. We can hope. That is true. I would love to see them do... I guess you could say Bounty Hunter, and I know that because of the Mandalorian doing something related to that is, is all the kind of hotness. I don't know if it still will be in two and a half or three years, but right. <laughs> I think it'd be really cool to be in one location while ostensibly the, you know, and obviously I'm not a huge Star Wars fan, so take this with a grain of salt, but where the Rebels and everyone, everyone is fighting around you and you are a some sort of leader for a town or a city and you are just doing what you need to to protect your people so sometimes you know like you're just kind of aligning yourself where you need to yeah missions that you feel are like gray about whether this is good or bad but you're doing it because it's going to help protect your people like i think something like that to me would be far more interesting than any known character in the Star Wars universe, just because, like I said, I'm not a huge Star Wars fan. So kind of approaching it from that perspective, doing something where you're not necessarily good or bad, or it's really hard to tell if you're good or bad, um, I think would be a really exciting and also play into what their strengths seem to be a very creating a sense of place with where you're playing, um, I think would be really kind of a cool way for them to approach it. Uh, you So you want it to be a Cara Dune game. Sure. Yeah, that sounds that's good. That's what it sounds. I want it. Since you when you were talking about that, all all at once, all I want 
is for it to be the Bill, a Bill Burr uh, Star Wars game. Because I just <laughs> read about his comments about people saying there's no Boston accents in space. <laughs> and oh. his response to that. <laughs> Which we can't say on the show. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I mean, I'm looking forward to this. I, I definitely enjoy the Division 1, the Division 2. I, I yeah. like those games a lot. I played way more of them than I anticipated that I would. Uh when I did my little Ubisoft, like, here are the games you've played the most from us. The Division 2 was actually the game I played the most really? of any Ubisoft game. Wow. Because I played it, like, basically finished the story on Xbox and on oh, and yeah. on PlayStation. Right. So it just kind of vaulted itself up. Now that would no longer be true because of Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Right. But, <laughs> so, cool. Anything else you want to talk about regarding Star Wars games? Any other games you want to see? Any other partnerships you'd like to ha- see them make? Yeah, I mean, uh, I would love a respawn Star Wars game. I don't think we're going to ever get that, but... Um, you don't think we're going to get another one? I don't think so. I mean, we'll see. We'll see. I would love a sequel, but, you know... Um, I, I want... I mean, it's it's foolish to even say I want to buy a rare Star Wars game, because uh. who would say that? <laughs> but <laughs> I do. I'll always want uh, Knights of the Old Republic Part 3. Um, or even if they if they can do uh, like a legendary edition for Mass Effect, can you can you remaster Knights of the Old Republic for me? Because I would love to replay them where the game is playable because <laughs> it's rough. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I would love to see like, and I'm just gonna because I think it'd be like the one who would do it, like Activision Ugh. come out and be like, hey, Amy Henning, you want to come finish your game? And just hire Amy Henning who and be like, hey, why don't you worry, why don't we make that uh, Star Wars game you're gonna make over at EA and we'll just make it here. If they're handing out license if they're handing out like licenses to Star Wars, yeah, anyone who gets that license would be a fool to not call her first. Uh, right. So hopefully yeah. she does get to write that game. Um but who knows? They just have deep pockets. Maybe Lucas Arts was the one who had the problem with her and not EA. I guess that could be. That very well could be. Like, so. no, we will not let you make Obi-Wan interested in Anakin. <laughs> <laughs> no matter how hard you try. <laughs> awesome. Anything else you want to say about Star Wars or even the Indiana Jones stuff or any of, the, any of that stuff? Hey, nostalgia is king consistently. Let's bring out those games. I'm excited to see what comes. Are you? Okay. So really briefly, as an aside, um, are you cool with all of these companies taking on IPs to make <laughs> games? Like, would you rather see more original games or are, are you cool with this? I would always rather see more original games, but I've just okay. come to accept that we will always be stuck in a world. I just read that Viacom is rebooting Firefly. Oh, I saw, I heard that. Or too. Disney Plus, sorry. Disney rebooting. Plus is, yeah. We've been begging you to bring all the cast back and you're going to give me a reboot? Go away. <laughs> so yeah, I, I you know I have to just accept that I'm going to be subjected to lots of things I don't want to see, like Space Jam Two with LeBron James. <laughs> uh, but that's just the world we live in, and I just have to hope that uh, maybe one tenth of those are good, and then I can enjoy it. Yeah. Okay. I yeah I kind of felt like I was poo pooing on everyone's excitement, so I didn't say too much. But I really am bummed in some ways about the number of of studios that are now working on licensed games. Because if you think about it, you know we got the division, the division two, which eh, when you talk about the division two being a sequel, but now Massive's next couple games are going to be licensed because they're doing Avatar, they're doing Star Wars, um, having Machine Games doing Indiana Jones, like I mm, and then 
uh io doing 007 yeah like i just feel <laughs> like we're getting into this this area where it's weird right because i get it because those ips overall tend to sell better i feel like people are really attracted to that making a new unique ip is risky but goodness oh i like that way more <laughs> you know and i'm I, i'm a sucker like i get it like i love the uncharted series you know and I, but i think there's a nice little end there and like i want them to do something different then right like the last of us one and two great now go do something different yeah uh you know like i think there's a um a way to to get your fill of something and be like that was great now let's move on to something new so i just mm. and i'll probably buy and play all of these games but i just yeah <laughs> <laughs> no i definitely understand what you're saying and like cases with like io doing goldeneye like i was excited for goldeneye but then i was like this isn't going to be any different than hitman like why what like i would be more excited if it was a different studio that mm-hmm. was doing goldeneye because you know at least there i wouldn't have the expectation that it wasn't just a skinned game that they already have like like battlefront and battlefield like i feel like that I'm, and hopefully we we don't get that but i really just if they don't put in a four player split screen mode in that game they're stupid <laughs> <laughs> Because that's what everyone is going to want. That's true. All right. So my second topic, we're going to cut a little bit short. We're not going to do as many games as we typically would. But it's been a couple of months, and I want to make sure that we do not forget about this recurring segment. It is time for the Board with Video Games Definitive Ranking of Board Games. There's a really good chance that we've maybe played. Uh, so usually we do two to three games apiece. But based off of time of the podcast, Josh, we're just going to bring one game to the mix that we're going to rank today. So it'll be two games total, one game apiece. Uh, to run down the rankings as they currently sit, dear listener, if you want to go find this list, listeners, it is our pinned tweet, so you can kind of have an access uh, to the list as it currently sits. It hasn't been updated since November 8th, so it's been a while since we've done this. But going from 14 to 1 in a very quick fashion, 14, Wasteland Express Delivery Service, then Machikoro, Castles of Mad King Ludwig, Small World, Forbidden Desert, King of Tokyo, Santorini, Cosmic Run Regeneration, Sagrada, Caverna, Ticket to Ride, with the top three being Lords of Waterdeep, Everdell, and number one is Pandemic. So just as a brief reminder, Josh and I each introduce a game, and we just figure out where it's going to sit on this list, because who needs the board game Geek Top 100 when we can make our own list of the best games? So with that, Josh, would you like to introduce your game first, or would you like me to introduce mine? I can't find the list, Kyle. (laughs) I just told them all to you. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) But, but it's you, also our pinned tweet. Oh, it's our tweet. Okay. And you had a helpful, handy thing I was referring to before, but it has disappeared. That's okay. Why don't you go first while I pull up the list, just so I don't goof up and use one that we already used. <laughs> All right. So here we go, Josh. Uh, this is going to be a game that is very familiar, because I just talked about it a little bit earlier on the episode, and the game I'm going to introduce is Azul. <laughs> okay now we already have the other kind of hot game from around that time sagrada is number six on the list yeah uh azula the game both of us like quite a bit we've done a pretty good job i think of not putting really any stinkers on here mm. um but where when you hear azul and you look at this list where do you think this game should rank uh for me i think it's between five and six in between Above Sagrada, below... No, above... Sorry, four and five. Above Caverna, below Ticket to Ride for me. 
Why do you say that? Because I haven't played Caverna. Uh-huh. And I still think... I do think it's a better game than Sagrada. I don't think that it's uh, as uh, attractive, but it's. I think it's easier to teach. There's a little bit less math in it, at least on the face. Some people aren't necessarily um, overwhelmed right away. And I also don't think it's as um, easy to get people to play as Ticket to Ride. I think it's I think it's equally enjoyable, but I think it's more accessible. Uh it's less, sorry, it's less accessible to new people than Ticket to Ride is. Okay. I'm trying to rustle my own thoughts on when we think about our definitive rankings, how how much do we value simplicity and ease of play and ease of teaching? Yeah. Because the t- top of our list, other you know, Caverna was standing Really, realistically, we haven't introduced too many complex games overall, anyway. But I, I'm just trying to make sure, and maybe this is wrong of me, that our list doesn't lean too heavily on the games that are easy to learn, easy to teach. Because I think we both value that a lot, because we're often the people who have to teach people how to play games. Sure. So it's something that we value a lot in a game. But when I think about just the play experience of Azul, which I really, really like. Um, I actually originally had it pretty close to you, but I had it between five and six. Okay. So between Sagrada and Caverna is where I put it. Um, just because when I think about the decisions and how the game plays out, um, I, you know, obviously Caverna, way, way, way heavier game than Azul is. Um, and depending on who I would, who I'm with, I might pick to play Caverna over Azul, depending on the people. Um, because there's a certain group of people I think. Would I think Caverna would work really well for more people? I think Azul would work for, but I don't necessarily think that's because it's a better game. Um, so I would put it between five and six. I'm okay with that. There, you're you're acceptable. So right above Sagrada, that is fine with me. Excellent. So what is your suggestion then, sir? So my suggestion is a game that actually just announced a. Announcement. <laughs> okay. They announced an announcement. We don't know what it's going to be. It's most likely going to be an anniversary edition. Uh, but it is unconfirmed. Uh, and that game is Carcassonne. Oh. <laughs> interesting. Interesting. So, so you want to know a secret, Josh? If you haven't played Carcassonne, I will be shocked. No, I've played Carcassonne. Okay. Definitely. You don't like Definitely. it? Definitely. I, I, I own Carcassonne. <laughs> Uh, I think I might like Carcassonne less than most people. Oh, interesting. So this will yeah, be our first I, fight. <laughs> it might be our first fight. It, it definitely might be. And to be clear, I think Carcassonne is a good game. I recognize why people like it. Just for me, I, it doesn't really f- float my boat. I, 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 Yeah, I don't know. It just has really never done much for me. Hmm. When looking at games I, I'm going to choose to play, uh, it's not very high on the list. Uh, maybe, and I'll be honest, it might be because I'm not very good at it. Oh, game Kyle's not I, good I, at I'm really not great at Carcassonne. <laughs> I, I try to do these things and they never really seem to work out. Uh, so I think that might play into it partially too. I'm just, I recognize why people enjoy it. I'm just not a huge fan. So what are, what are your thoughts on Carcassonne? Well, I love Carcassonne. Um, however... I think something that you said rings true is we need to kind of separate ourselves from 
a few things. One, like the ease of teaching, and two, the nostalgia, right? I think that that definitely fares in. Uh, like it, it, it's in there as well. So um, I can. I'm not going to fight you on Carcassonne because it's not a game I'm going to die on the hill for. But I love it. I do love Carcassonne. If I was to put it on our list, I would put it between three and four. And I'm not asking you to do that based on what you said. Um, honestly, I would be happy if we could put it between nine and ten based on your thoughts. But I still, for me at least, I don't see it below Small World. Um, I think between nine and ten is completely... Yeah, that's totally fine. Because like I said, I don't hate the game. I just like it less than most people. And I feel like most people would put it very high. Um, I think between 9 and 10 for me is completely okay. Okay. I'm okay with that. I I can definitely understand that um, it's not for everyone. And just because this is is our list, it's not my list. So definitely there's room for for, uh, bargaining and, and... conceding <laughs> yeah and i think with carcassonne i went through the i really really liked it to i absolutely hated it to i'm now fine with it if that makes sense yeah and i've i never hit the hated phase so i feel like i would probably agree with you if i ever played it that much <laughs> so yeah i mean i don't like i said i don't think it's a bad game i just feel i appreciate it less than most people do okay we did those two really fast do you want to do two more then really quick sure okay so no surprise then. The other game I'm bringing to the table is Tiny Towns. Okay, okay, because, this hey, will be I interesting. I brought Azul to the table. <laughs> now I'm bringing Tiny Towns to the table because I played both of those recently. I know you, and the reason I did it is I know you've played them both. I know you don't own Tiny Towns, but yeah. I know you've played them both. Uh, obviously, you know I'm very high on Tiny Towns. I absolutely love this game. Mm. Um, for me, I would probably put it at like number three. Okay, because you know, right between Everdell and Lords of Waterdeep. But that might be Cult of the New for new just playing. So I, I definitely could be talked down from there. Uh, but I just really, really enjoy my time with this game. I think it's great. Uh, but where would you be on Tiny Towns? I think I would be one lower than you. I wouldn't, okay. for me, I wouldn't put it above Lords of Waterdeep. But I, I do see it above Ticket to Ride. Wow. I was surprised to hear you say that. I thought you were going to be very staunch on it being below Ticket to Ride. No, I, I do really feel like, um, I know we talk like, we don't want to crutch on the ease, ease, uh, how, how easy it is to teach the people. But um, I think train game is a harder sell for certain groups of people um, than I think Tiny Towns would be. If you just were like, because Tiny Towns is literally, this happens, you do this. That's it. Those are the rules. Yeah. And Ticket Rise is yeah. a little bit more advanced. So I think Tiny Towns is even more of a gateway game it's like the gateway gateway game <laughs> okay okay so you're thinking between lords of water deep and ticket to ride i think so yeah okay. that's for me i'm at least. totally okay with that okay all right so look at this josh we're just we're just so agreeable <laughs> with each other yes. this is amazing that's why we get along well <laughs> <laughs> okay what is your second game you want to add to the list uh Suro. wow okay Whew. i haven't played Suro in a long time well, maybe this will help you. Uh, originally, Suro was a... Suro, for me, is probably 13 on this list. Okay, I'm really happy that you said that, because for me, it's definitely lower. I didn't know if it was all the way that low. Yeah, um, when I started playing it, I really enjoyed it. And then I started playing, and I got Suro of the Seas, which is, yeah. the, the I guess you could call it sequel. 
Um, I think Suro, and I played the app. Suro is a good game, but it doesn't do much. And it definitely yeah. doesn't do much between games. You're always playing the same game. So, and here's that's, the hard and that's part might me. sound weird. <laughs> no, I get, I get what you're saying. So, 13 is Machi Koro, and that's kind of where you wanted to put it. If I'm playing Machi Koro with the expansions, I would put Machi Koro above Suro. Sure. If it's just base Machi Koro, which this is, yeah. then I can see the argument for putting Suro above it. I think and the reason why I would argue above Machi Koro is because it still has to take that aspect, but it's less complicated to do to take that. Like you're like, oh, I can put this tile down and make Kyle fly right off the board. Done. Yeah. You know, and it doesn't look it's not so vindictive. It's not like, here's your fourth red card. So I think like that's where Machikoro gets a little bit. And then like the appeal to Machikoro that some people have is, oh, you can remove the red cards to make it more friendly, but then you're removing components of the game. So you're not even really playing the game as it was designed. <laughs> right, for sure. So at least at sure. it's another one of those games where you're like, hey, this is you. You do this. That's how you play the game. And you want to kill everybody else or outlive them. <laughs> yeah, no, I hear that. Okay, so with those additions, the new additions to the list are Tiny Towns at number four. Azul at number seven, Carcassonne at number 12, and Suro, which would now be number 16 because of the additions of those other games as well. So our top five are Pandemic, Everdell, Lords of Waterdeep, Tiny Towns, and Ticket to Ride. Sound okay to you, Josh? Sounds good to me. Awesome. So listeners, like I said, be sure to go check out that pinned tweet. You can see all of the games we have listed, all 18 that are currently ranked, and if you have games you want us to rank, feel free to send them in, and we will add them to the list. It doesn't matter if we played them. It's our list. We can add them wherever we want That's to. That's right. Fun. Gloomhaven, number 99. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to do that sometime. I should probably play that so we can do that a little more effectively. <laughs> but Josh, what is your third topic? My third topic is, we now know the first game from Unexpected Games. Was it what we expected? Or perhaps, was it Unexpected? <laughs> Uh, we talked about unexpected games last year with Corey Kaneka. Kaneka. I want to say Kanezka, but that's not his name. Um, leaving Fantasy Flight Games to form his own board game studio. All we knew was it was called Unexpected Games. That's all we knew. Now we know their first game. It is called The Initiative. Uh, it has a interesting box cover where it has... I guess a spy, perhaps. Who knows? A detective. Um, I don't know if you can see the box art, but on the side of the box, it has like a Scott Pilgrim-esque drawing, which caught me off guard. So I really don't know what the art is for this game. Yeah, the art on the box cover, like the main person on the cover, looks very different from then the art on the side yeah. and the art like interior of the box cover. It's very odd. The code names in the front, Scott Pilgrim on the side, uh, Cluedo on the inside. <laughs> um, okay, so their de- their debut game. It's it, this is via uh, ICV two um, by Jeffrey Dom Sanchez. Because uh, I'm probably gonna plagiarize a little bit of what he said, so I want to make sure he gets credit. Um, so uh, now I'm trying to get comfortable in my chair. Uh, their de- their debut game is a cooperative game that allows players to take on roles of teenagers who've discovered a mysterious board game called The Key. So right away, I love the board game with inside a board game. Very cool. 
Um, it's a campaign-based game, which is great. Told through a comic book, which is cool, uh, where players complete various missions in order to begin the next chapter. Uh, each chapter has interconnected elements, and the players will engage code-breaking, as well as weave a narrative as they experience a tale of mystery that unfolds. Uh, the game box comes with a double-sided game board, a comic book, which is 48 pages, five action cards, four character cards, 41 large mission cards, 40 resource cards, 30 secret cards, and more. Uh, we don't know a price. Um, it is being published by Asmodee USA. Um, we'll also release another game um, by them. But it, if you look at the picture there, it looks like to be like a decoder that comes with the game. The board is, is small. Um, so I, I'm assuming... I mean, looking at it, it doesn't look like a forty. Like it looks like a thirty dollars game, but that that could mean nothing, because um, it does look small. But just because it's small doesn't mean it isn't expensive. <laughs> but I like the idea. Uh, what do you think? Unexpected? You think this is a good uh, first game for them? As an interest to you at, at all? Do you think this is going to be a two player game? <laughs> I am interested in the game for sure. But oh, the one to four players. Yeah. The thing I find most interesting about it all is that Corey left Fantasy Flight Games, who is owned by Asmodee, <laughs> to start his own company, which is now having games published by Asmodee. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that weird, right? I think it is a little weird, but like I think of um Um Oof. No, I shouldn't even say it at this point. I think of uh one of the people who left Plaid Hat to go do their own thing but they could totally publish a game under plat hat in the future yeah that's true isaac vega yep yeah that, they could do that that is very very true i it just seems like if you leave a place and i granted it's a different i mean he's not working for fantasy flight he's you know it's just a publisher it just seems to me like you'd be like oh i'm gonna go ahead and you know work with a different publisher for my first game uh but I am interested in it. It's really going to come down to price for me because, like you said, it doesn't look like it is going to be an expensive game. Yeah. But this is Asmodee. <laughs> so we shall see if it is an expensive game or not. But uh, uh, the idea of it being you know, a cooperative campaign style game is something that hits home for me. Definitely a type of game I enjoy playing. Uh, that the coder looks pretty cool. I wonder how it's going to be used. That's something that's a little unique and something we haven't seen very much about. Um, so yeah, I'm definitely interested. For me, it's really going to come down to price. Agreed. What's at thirty dollars? Are you in? Yeah, I think so. It looks like it's it'll be good, fun two player game. At forty dollars, are you in? I'm not out at forty. I'm less in at fifty dollars. <laughs> yeah, I'm out at fifty. Okay, I think for yeah, most board games at this point, I'm out at fifty. Unless yeah. we're we've like we're very excited about it, yeah, I would agree. Uh, Thirty bucks, I'm, I think I'm definitely in. Forty dollars, I am on the fence. I don't think I would spend fifty dollars though. Yeah. So we shall see. Cool. Anything else you want to say about unexpected games? Now expected game. It's nice to have another board game studio out there. I guess is what I'll say. Uh, more board it games is. is better for all of us. It is. Uh, speaking of board games, uh, did you get our email about the delay of? Uh, Foundations of Rome. Yes, I did. Um, That's a bummer. I've stopped reading updates on board games or any Kickstarters, really. Because uh, they're all just 2020 delays. has been rough on delays for me for Kickstarters. Yeah. So I'm just kind of like 
It'll get to me when it gets to me, if it ever gets to me. <laughs> yeah. Though the whatnot cabinet, it looks like we'll actually get here within its uh, window. That's good. He, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I basically played the full version of that game two years ago, so they kind of already had that locked down, which is nice to know that it will get out in time. Yeah. They had uh, built in enough um, cushion so that the date they gave us, which is was actually like their backup date. Yeah. So, Smart. yeah, exactly. So it actually is going to hit it perfectly. All right. So, Josh, you know, it's 2021. Been a few weeks of 2021, and we've already had a boatload of games delayed. Yeah. Uh, some even delayed already to 2022. But there is still a whole slew of video games that are uh, slated for release this year. And there's a good possibility that a number more, if not many, many, many more, are going to be delayed either to later this year or 2022 and beyond. Uh, but I just wanted to go through, Josh, and talk very briefly, you know, take a few minutes to talk about some of the games we're looking forward to the most this year. Uh, we don't have to go to any order. We don't have to, we're not going to go month through month, just kind of talking in general about things we're looking forward to. So, Josh, what is one of the games you are looking forward to most in 2021? Well, I think I want to, I think I want to put the medium on this list. I wasn't, not, okay. I wasn't originally like super invested in the medium but i watched um that for i watched a little bit of that demo that they put out the 14 minute demo yeah um i just think it looks it's uh, it's finally a game doing some not finally i shouldn't say that it's a game doing something different um and Mm -hmm. i'm i think i'm more most excited about that now i if i didn't have game pass i think i would be less excited Um, right but game pass is really helping me um uh, be excited to play this game. So I, I would put the medium on my list for sure. Yeah, it does look cool. I mean, it's only, you know, copying the mechanics of like Titanfall 2, <laughs> but no big deal. Uh, no, I'm just, I'm kidding about that. <laughs> Seeing a whole game do that is different, though the level that does that in Titanfall yes. 2, and I think it does it in, um, oh, Dishonored 2? Oh, I don't know. I didn't play the Dishonored games. I think it was Dishonored 2. There's something similar to that too. But it is a really cool mechanism of like going between the worlds to be able to solve puzzles and all of that good stuff. Uh, I don't have a console who, or, or a PC who can run that game, so hence why I'm not excited about it. So. <laughs> but no, that's a great pick, and you should be able to play it in just a couple weeks here. Excited. Depending on what your prediction for... Well, we'll you talk know about what my prediction is. is. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So one of my more anticipated games is actually... Uh, a, a game that does have a release date right now, and we'll see if it sticks to that release date. Uh, but that is Returnal coming out March nineteenth, the PlayStation Five exclusive from Housemark. Uh, anyone knows I am a, a Housemark fan. I have enjoyed pretty much all of their games. Uh, I love the that kinetic action high score chasing game uh this is a game that seems to be taking that and trying to put it into a third person action game and i genuinely have no idea if this game is going to be any good (laughs) but darn it am i excited to find out because the house cast which is something that housemark is putting out every like week or so they've had a new episode that kind of gives an update on the game we get more game footage from it the game looks incredible. Like it really looks pretty. It seems like it's going to have that same kinetic fast-paced action that Housemark is known for. It seems to have done an okay job with building a world that's going to be fun to navigate. Um but it's really going to be you know, we've talked about this before, it's $70. Is it going to meet that $70 price tag? Um and is it going to have the story and everything to back up? Uh, this procedurally gener- generated world that's going on around it um, and the kind of that roguelike mentality that this game is built around. Because obviously Hades has showed us you can have a really good story in a roguelike. 
right? Like you yeah. can have a really well-developed, thoughtful, important story, but Returnal being so quickly on the heels of Hades, who knows if they've learned or taken anything from that? Who knows what that story is going to be like? And this is really Housemark's first foray into trying to tell a story that matters in any way, shape, or form. Uh, so I'm very interested to see how that goes. But I'm still really excited about it. Um, Returnal coming out March 19th. Josh, what's another game you're excited about this year? There's a game that I'm ex- – can I say that I'm interested about? Okay. It's Werewolf the Apocalypse, uh, Earth, Blood, whatever. Uh, it seems pretty interesting. There's uh, the gameplay mechanic where you have three different forms of the werewolf where you ha- that you're playing. Uh, one of them is human. Spoiler. Uh Looks really interesting. I watched a little bit of a video of the combat and the gameplay, and I think it, it makes me more interested than anything else. But uh, I, th- I don't know. I think in a, in a year, the year that we're entering, that the medium and werewolf are the two games that, at least for their first releases of the year, um, are interesting to me. I think says a lot about the year so far. <laughs> But, uh, uh, yeah, I'm interested to see where the game goes. Maybe it's playing on a little bit of nostalgia. I remember playing the old werewolf game on the NES. I'm sure it has nothing related to that game. Um, but it definitely has, like, uh, I haven't, it's not a trope that's been overused in video games for me. So I, I kind of like the idea of being able to, to take control of that character. I'm hoping that the combat feels good and, and it's a fun game. But, yeah. Awesome. Uh, another game for me is a game that, you know, might be out in March, but then the release date got erased from the trailer that had had the release date in it. And that is Kenner Bridge of Spirits, uh, game from Ember Lab, a small Sue, uh, who I think this is actually their first game, if I recall. Yes. Um, but, you know, when you look at this game, it just looks very charming. Uh, the little creatures that you work with, the fact that they're called the Rot is kind of weird to me. Uh, but they're super cute, you know, and it seems kind of like Pikmin-ish esque i think i've never played pikmin but it seems that way a little bit where they're helping you do stuff and solving puzzles uh it sounds like that there are some um branching pathways in this game uh you know that (laughs) naughty dog term wide linear has been used uh, to describe this game but it sounds like there are options for um continuing gameplay or continuing the story in the game where you have the choice of either um defeating a boss through combat or potentially kind of over this way you can solve a puzzle That'll allow you to progress. So you kind of get these choices potentially um, in how you're working your way through the game and, you know, add some replay value to it. Uh, This is a game, again, that my interest in it is completely based on how darn cute it is. Yeah. I'm just really looking for cute, fun games right now. And this game hopefully isn't going to be bad. It might be really rough. Who knows? We'll have to wait and see. But I'm still really excited to find out. That's Kenner Bridge of Spirits. Josh, what's another game you're looking forward to? Well, speaking of fun, cutesy-looking games, um, It Takes Two is a game that I'm really looking forward to. That's the Joseph Ferris uh, follow-up to No Way Out where you end up like Indian in the cupboard style playing this couple who end up becoming dolls and you're you're exploring this world of it, it kind of reminds me of like unravel meets little nightmares meets i don't even know mario maybe or little big planet um but a lot of the stuff they showed in the trailer um looked like it would just be a heck of a lot of fun playing cooperatively uh so yeah i'm looking forward to to uh to testing that one out and 
try to get some co-op gaming with that. Gotcha. Hey, how many more games do you have that you think you can name? Uh, let's see. I got one and a half, two. I could do three and a half. All right. Three it is. Sounds perfect. <laughs> All right. So my next game is... How- I have actually a ton more games other than these three, but these are the three that are right now most excited for. Uh, and this is actually a game that I've played already that is coming back out. And I'm actually excited to play all three of them. And that is the Mass Effect Remastered yeah. Collection, whatever you want to call it. Legendary and part edition. Of the reason this is, yeah. Part of the reason this I is so. See. Yes, thank you. Yeah, I was getting to myself to me, all that. <laughs> <laughs> is. I think I really liked Mass. Like I really love Mass Effect. You like think? I loved those games. <laughs> I think I did, and I kind of want to go back and play through it because I have not replayed any of them ever. Like I, I played through them when they came out. I've never replayed through Whoa. them. So I think I like them, and I kind of want to find out if I do. You like them? I, okay, I think I do. You yeah. Like so that's kind of one of the reasons <laughs> I'm really interested in this is that. I have great memories of playing through all those games the first time, even though I never finished the third one, as I've talked about multiple times. Crazy. Stupid multiplayer. (laughs) Um, But I really do want to kind of go back through and re-experience this and see if it holds the same place for me, if it reminds me of the same things that it did when I you know, played it the first time. So, uh, yeah, I'm really excited for the remaster trilogy, which supposedly is out March 12th, uh, is what the rumors say, which, you know, being a week before... um, uh, Returnal is not ideal, mm. but we'll have to kind of wait and see how that all goes. So that's another game I'm super looking forward to. Josh, what else is on your list? Hey, I you listed a game that I have, so I'll list a game that you have. Outriders. Yeah. April Fool's Day, baby. There's no way that's going to get delayed, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, something we talked about in the Discord with the last video they put out which was basically just a PC feature app. But the amount of detail they're covering and and work they're putting into this game, I really have a hard time believing this could be a bad game. Now, of course, it could be. But um, this is, you can tell this is being made by people who really care about the game. And they're giving you all this information about the game and it's not necessarily information you need but there's certainly a group of people who want the information they're giving which i think says even more about them than it doesn't like this is like what you want to hear from a game studio and i'm very excited for what this game could potentially bring um to our table so i'm really excited for air writers and i hope that it lives up to the hype that is a game I am also very much excited about, but it, I assumed you were going to talk about it, so I didn't put it on my yeah. list. <laughs> All right, so the next game I want to talk about is what my actually most anticipated game is right now and the game I'm most excited about, and then my kind of wild card game is my last okay. one. So the game that I am definitely most excited about, most anticipating, above all else, above Horizon, which I'm not even going to talk oh. about on this list, even though I'm super stoked about Horizon 2 yeah. because we only have I'm five I'm not going to talk spots. about it on this list either. <laughs> okay. That's not because I'm not excited about it. There's just a couple other things. Uh, but Ratchet and Clank ripped yeah, apart. I, I love Ratchet and Clank. <laughs> the last, the 2016 game was absolutely amazing. This right now is like my most anticipated game and has been since it's been announced, other than maybe 
Overwatch 2. And Overwatch 2 isn't even on my list because we have no, like, even reasonable release date has been given for that game. And most and most recent rumors say it's not even coming out this year, which is appalling. <laughs> but hey, what are you going to do? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, PS5 exclusive, really seems to be pushing and taking all of the things that make a next-gen game next-gen and really trying to cram it in there to show us how cool and fun it can be. And I really hope that that all works. Um, it looks great. I really wish we had a release date for it, but I think obviously with everything going on, you know, it, it might be a little bit further out than we anticipated it's going to be, but definitely my most anticipated game for this year right now, Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart. Nice. Josh, what's next on your list? I should say this list I made isn't my most anticipated games. That's fine. Okay. Um, because I feel like we've, I've, I, people, if I said Horizon every time, people would be sick of me saying it. Yeah. Uh, and I'm trying to, I was trying to pick a few games that yeah. might surprise people be a little different. Horizon is on my list. Just everybody know that. Don't yell at me. I f- just feel the Twitter comments. <clears throat> uh, Back for Blood is on my list. Um, nice. It's the Left 4 Dead we've been waiting for. It is Left 4 Dead. I know it isn't, but it is. Uh, and I think with how many, how much we, everyone loves World War Z and it's a great game. It's still not left for dead, which is why I think I'm more excited for back for blood. Essentially it's left for dead three. It's a game that we've been waiting for. And I'm saying we as in left for dead two players, um, the fun, crazy, hectic thing that even call of duty zombies couldn't capture. Even World War Z couldn't perfectly capture, um, which because that just tells you because if you just look at the price of Left 4 Dead 2 pre-owned, <laughs> you can tell it's still very much beloved. Um, I'm just very excited for this game and everything I've seen so far, and I've watched a lot of content on this game so far. It's just it just it's Left 4 Dead and it's perfect. They're just adding. Bigger, bigger zombies and new locations and 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 next gen graphics and I'm excited to see. Um, it actually kind of ties a little bit into the last one I'm going to do. Or is this my last one, or is there one more? You can have one more if you want to. That's fine. Uh, well, I'll, I'll just tie it in now. Uh, my other one I would pick is I. I am so excited to see what Dynasty Warriors looks like on a next gen console. I can see that. I yeah. loved. Dynasty Warriors series. It got a little out of hand around five. <laughs> um, and I think Dynasty Warriors 9 Empires is the one that's coming out. And I actually really appreciate Empires because it adds like a risk element to it where it's area control and you're controlling battlefields with, with generals. But I'm really excited to play a Dynasty Warriors game where the frame rate is the same constantly. <laughs> Yeah, I you know, you. I, I mean, you. ideally, who knows if it's going to be, but that kind of falls in with the Left for Dead, like being able to handle all the zombies on the screen at the same time. I really like have this like need to play another Dynasty Warriors game because it's not Hyrule Warriors isn't clicking for me, um, and then um, Fire Emblem Heroes didn't click for me, and I think it's just theme. Um, I've really just been waiting to play as Lu Bu again and just take on generals out and just take his army out <laughs> yeah yeah oh josh so this next 
my final pick here, you know, there's so many things I could have picked because when you look at a list of all the games that are supposedly coming out in 2021, a lot of games. there are so many good games listed. It's ridiculous. There's so many cool things. You know, we could be talking about Elden Ring. <laughs> no. uh, you know, we have both talked about how we could... <laughs> well, potentially, we both talked about how we could have, you know, mentioned Horizon Zero Dawn. Like, neither of us talked about Halo Infinite. Oh, you're going to say something I mean, silly, so... aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> what's that you're gonna get pick a silly game aren't you no it's not silly oh well, it might be a little silly um <laughs> you know there's just so many cool dying light 2 is a game we could have talked about and none of us have mentioned we didn't talk about far cry 6 at all we didn't talk about ghostwire tokyo or gotham knights biomutant uh, still on my list biomutant like there's so many things we didn't talk about right so many so many so many cool games but josh the game that i'm <laughs> really interested in uh-huh. was first announced in june of 2018 okay okay and when it was announced it was supposed to come out in 2019 in 2019 Ooh, we basically bones. heard what's that skull and bones no <laughs> in 2019 we heard basically nothing about the game okay and then we were told to expect a full look at the game in summer of 2020 and in summer of 2020 we got a message being like hey we're still working on the game Josh, this game is developed by Square Enix in production with Platinum Games. Oh. <laughs> and that is Babylon's Fall. Okay. Josh, where is this game? It looked cool. The trailer we got of it looked really, really well. The two trailers we've gotten to look really cool right up my alley. But, yeah. you know, this was supposed to be a PS4 game two years ago. <laughs> like, where is this game? You know, what's going on with it? I would love to get an update on Babylon's Fall and all the things that are going on there. Now, you know, Platinum Games has this hands full because it supposedly is working on this. It is supposedly um, helping with the near replicant that's coming out in April, which is another game I could have talked about. Uh, you know, we heard recently that they <laughs> Bayonetta 3 is still happening and they hope to give an update this year. <laughs> like, you know. But where is this game, Josh? Where is Babylon's Fall? What happened to it? I'm so want to play this game. I don't know. The internet doesn't have an answer for me, but I'm going to watch this trailer again to refresh my memory. Yeah, uh, I am stoked about Babylon's Fall. Hopefully, 2021 is the year. We'll have to wait and see. Any other games from 2021 you want to mention, Josh, that you are looking forward to or excited about? No, I mean... As you watch the trailer. There's a bunch of other games, um, but they're mostly the big titles that, like, uh, I'm I'm actually excited for Ratchet and Clank because I want to see how it takes advantage of the um the PS5. So, what kind of world do I live in where I'm excited for a platformer? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love Ratchet and Clank. I think it's great. Cool. All right, Josh. Well, it's that time. Uh, you know, obviously we record on Sundays. Our episodes release on Tuesday. What information is going to be announced tomorrow between the time we record and the time our episode releases Tuesday? Uh, we're gonna get a release date for Babylon's Fall. <laughs> now i think we'll get a nintendo direct i know i'm stealing yours from last week that's but fine it seems like based off of all the i'm sorry nintendo people based on all the crying online about a nintendo direct i really feel like we're overdue for a nintendo direct that's okay all the playstation fans are crying too they so are. everyone's I just wanna, crying i was gonna lump them in together but i didn't want to no, steal it's fine. they're all crying too i <laughs> i own that they're whew, man Going to some of those PlayStation forums right now is rough. Um, Cool. Uh, My prediction is that we're going to finally hear something about MLB The Show 21. 
Okay. Because remember, this is the first year that game is releasing oh, on multiple consoles. Yeah. Typically, they would have revealed this game usually in like October or November, and they have said nothing yet about That's it. That's right. I forgot about that. So I don't know if it is a COVID situation. I don't know if it's because they're trying to delay it. Like <laughs> they just have to skin the game. It's not a COVID situation. <laughs> they take MLB the show. They just put the roster update on. Apply. Dude, they get that thing to run on Switch. <laughs> They don't have to. We've seen a lot of games not come out on the Switch. <laughs> no, it's supposed to come out on Switch because when the announcement was made, like Nintendo retweeted it. So I'm assuming it's yeah, coming to Switch and Xbox. But it'll get delayed for so the Switch. They have Switch. to get the show to run on Switch. <laughs> I guess they could just release it in the same state that Cyberpunk did and then just apologize. Or they could just release MLB The Show 18 and put it on the Switch and just reskin it. <laughs> They could, I guess. They really could. So, yeah. So, that's my prediction. I think we're going to finally get um, a little bit of news about the show 21. Um, yeah. Okay. That's that's my prediction. Cool. Awesome. All right. With that, we're going to move on to our well-rounded life recommendations. Before we do that, really briefly, remember, you can always be part of the show. Just reach out to us at Board of Fiji on Twitter or send us an email, boardoffiji at gmail.com. We'd love to have you be part of the show. Uh, but with that, we're going to move on to those well-rounded life recommendations. Obviously, we are a gaming podcast, but we want to give you one other recommendation, suggestion, or thing we are currently into that is helping us live that well-rounded life. Josh, what is your recommendation this week? I forgot to put it in, so I put it in now. So I was going to recommend WandaVision. I think that that's a tough recommend right now for not Marvel lovers. Uh, so I'll maybe wait until more episodes come out. So what I'm going to put down is something that I think uh, is important and gets overshadowed. And it's going to be, I don't know, it's life advice that you can take or not. So, yeah, so it's been a long year, right? It's New Year, but it's been a long year. And something I think that's important that gets lost is, uh, and I can't, I'm, I can only speak for myself in my relationship, but everyone's been like compartmentalizing what they've been going through to some degree. And I think, at least for me, I don't, I know everyone is having a hard time. So I haven't been trying to, put my hard time onto someone else's hard time, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I think, so something that I think is important is if you have a significant other, and if you don't, um, you should find a friend or a family member that you can talk to. And what I think is what you should do is, uh, for me, I think it helps at the end of the week, like a Sunday or a Saturday or Sunday or Monday, where... Uh, you start with like a set amount of time, maybe even 20 minutes. It can be longer or shorter if you want. But like for me, it'd be like, sit down with my wife, no phones, not even in the room, no phones, no entertainment on, um, and just sit down and talk about your week. And it can be, for me, I don't like to complain about work. So I think it would be for like, for me more commonly, it's like uh, how I'm feeling. Um, I know that sounds like, some people might hear this and be like snowflakey kind of stuff, but I really think it's important to like let the person you're spending most of your time with know if you're angry or stressed. Um, because I also think it's important to keep work and home life separate, but that's not mm-hmm. always easy to do. So if I can be like, I'm really angry because this happened at work, but I'm angry because of this. And usually it's like lack of communication or, hey, someone had COVID and they didn't tell anybody. Um, and if you need it to be longer than that, 
time. Let it be longer than that time. Like, don't limit your time. But uh, I think I find myself. I would find myself like my wife would be talking to me about work, and I'd be like on my phone listening to her, and that's not me giving her the attention she needs. Or I'm sitting down eating something, and she's talking to me. I'm still not, you know, it's not like undivided attention that you need to be giving to someone who could potentially be telling you something very important or something that you could help them with. I don't know. I just think like 2020 proves, like showed how like rough it can be. And if you don't have an outlet, like it's not going anywhere. Right. You're just carrying that load. And and if you have someone in your life where you have like given yourself and your time to like, you need to be able to also talk to them about it and removing all your distractions and doing it at a time where you know you won't be distracted. Even if it's like an hour before bedtime where you're sitting in bed or in the living room where you know your phone's not going to be ringing or text messages coming in or whatever the case may be. I think uh, I think that's underrated. I don't think that we we think about that anymore. We're like, it's quiet. What should we watch? Or or do we have to do dishes? Or should like you got to set? I think it, it, it could help, and it might not help you at all. But I think if you try it, uh, you might you know be surprised, or you might not be. But um, that would be my my well rounded life recommendation. Is um, you got to make some time to get things off your chest, I guess I would say, so to speak. No, that's great. Uh, I, and I think a lot of what you said hit home there because, you know, uh, for me now, especially next week, I'll start cycling back and, and going to into work occasionally, like a couple days a week. But, you know, if work stinks, when I went to work, when I drove home, I could just like listen to like my angry music yeah. <laughs> and like do whatever to kind of like get that out uh, by the time I got home, but now I literally walk upstairs and it's like, if my day stuck, like was bad and it was rough and it was really stressful. Now I walked up, I just literally walk upstairs and I'm like still feeling that way. Yeah. Yep. You know? So that's like really hard to like process and, and, and not bring work home when literally all of your work you're doing is at home. Um, so no, that's great. That's an excellent, excellent, well-rounded life recommendation. It's going to make mine look so bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a competition. <laughs> I have, well, I love your recommendation. <laughs> So, uh, uh, did you see that uh, the Buccaneers won their football game? I don't. Football was canceled. Didn't you hear? Oh yeah. So Tom Brady's still playing. There hasn't been football since 2019. No, Tom Brady. He's still playing. They they beat the Saints. (laughs) Just you know. Uh, So my recommendation is actually a series on Netflix, a docu series called Night Stalker: The Hunt for a Serial Killer. Uh, which is a documentary series about, hey, the Night Stalker. Imagine that. But not the original um, Night Stalker. What's not that? the original Night Stalker. Not the original Night Stalker. No, not the original Night Stalker. <laughs> they caught that guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, no spoilers so, for this <laughs> Exactly. How many Night Stalkers could there be? Apparently the answer is more than one. Uh, but this documentary series looks at the Night Stalker uh, with the mid-80s um, in California. Uh, a couple things I will say. Number one, it makes you recognize how... Uh, unhelpful it is to be um, territorial when it comes to <laughs> things about trying to save people's lives and catch murderers. Yeah. Like being territorial about that isn't helpful. Uh, the other thing I will say about this is that, man, the 80s, though not that long ago, seem like forever ago when you just look at everything oh, yeah. and the footage <laughs> from them and the way we lived our lives back then. I mean, I was alive then. Um, it, it just seems like a whole different world right now when I, I'm going back and watching these things. 
there are parts of this show and the way this documentary is docuseries is produced and directed that I'm not a huge fan of. Anytime there is a documentary series about serial killers, I don't need them to further um, try to add drama to the murders. Mm, yeah. Like, it'll be like all dark and shadowy and there'll be this ominous music playing and then there'll be like a recreate, like a house and then all of a sudden it'll be really quiet and then it'll be like multiple gunshots. It's like, I don't need that. Like, I already know like this person did really horrible things. Trying to further dramatize this isn't helpful for me. Yeah. I don't, I, that's the thing I don't enjoy. And they do that a decent amount in this series. However, all of that being said, the information that they present is really interesting. The detectives that they talk to who are in charge of the investigation are really good on camera. Like, they do a really good job of, like, talking about the way they're feeling, bringing you into what they were thinking, talking to their families when appropriate and how that impacted them. So all of that is done really good. A little, like I said, a little too much drama added for me because, like, this person killed a whole bunch of people and attacked a whole bunch of people. The drama just is already right. there. We don't need <laughs> these dramatic reenactments of those things. But overall, only four episodes, about 45 minutes a pop. Really easy recommend. Night Stalker, The Hunt for a Serial Killer on Netflix. Nice. Josh, what do you say we wrap this show up? Thanks for joining us, everyone. In addition to finding us on Twitter and Instagram at Board with VG, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Board with VG. So feel free to give us a five-star rating over there. Also, if you're going to communicate in the more long form or you're just not feeling social media, please feel free to email us at boardwithvg at gmail.com. We tag our stuff with hashtag Board with VG. So please use the hashtag as well on all of your social medias. And whatever podcast service you're listening to us on, we encourage you to give us a stellar rating. That is, whether you're downloading us from the PSVG feed, the Dice Tower Network feed, or our very own standalone board with video games feed. You can find me on Xbox Live and PlayStation Network and Twitch. Uh, why so serious? That's S-I-R-R-I-U-S. Uh, yeah, I should be playing some, I, sh I will be streaming some digital board games soon at some point. So look out for that. Kyle, where can people find you? So you can find me at all of the usual places, Twitter, Instagram, PlayStation Network, Xbox Live, Board Game Geek, all at PsychoCross, C-Y-C-O-C-R-O-S-S. -S. As always, if you have suggestions for future topics, be sure to reach out to us on the social media because we want to talk about what you want to hear about. And remember everyone, whether it be board games or video games, Never stop gaming.